Hello and welcome back to Watching Worst Film, the weekly podcast where we journey through the winners and losers from the Golden Raspberries, an annual ceremony dedicated to the very worst that Hollywood and beyond has to offer. As always, I'm your host Kyle, joined by the wonderful Mr. Jericho Reed. Thank you, pleasure to be here, saving Christmas with you. <laughs> and yes, as we journey back to 2014 um, to look at Kurt Cameron's Saving Christmas. And again, just for some reference, um, the 87th Academy Award winner this year was Birdman, which is a film I have seen for a change. <laughs> I'm getting into this point where I've seen more Razzies than Academy Award winners, and I'm not liking it. concerning. <laughs> <laughs> Very concerning. So, um, yes, we travel back to 2014 to look at Kirk Cameron's Saving Christmas. It's directed by, I think I'm pronouncing this right, it is uh, Duane Duan. I think his last name is. He was the director of a previous film with Kirk Cameron uh, called Unstoppable from 2013. So they're kind of reuniting. That was a documentary, wasn't it? Was it? Okay, so I just seen I seen the credit, I seen Kirk Cameron, and I filled in the blanks in my head. <laughs> yeah, it's directed by this Darren Duane, um, who also wrote and co-stars in it alongside Kirk oh, Cameron. Oh god! So as always, what is your background with this film, Jericho? None of it. I'd maybe I'd <laughs> now when I'd read a little bit more and I'd heard about it being ranked the lowest film on IMDb at one point. I don't know if I'd maybe heard of it through that, but I certainly hadn't formed any memories. So um I went in relatively blind. I didn't really know much about Kirk Cameron beyond him being like an evangelical uh like of the of the sort of like conservative actors bucket that we've got with Lawrence Fox, uh, Kevin Sorbo, James Woods, <laughs> Kirk Cameron, I knew was the sort of like evangelical Ken doll one of them. Well, like I'm a little bit different because I do know who Kirk Cameron is. Um, not not a big follower by any means, but <laughs> especially when, especially when this film came out, I, I vividly remember the backlash it being bottom of Rotten Tomatoes. Um, letterboxd everything i remember his campaign against reddit um <laughs> like i just I, I have a vivid memory of him 25 i've never seen the film but i knew a lot about it or kurt cameron himself i kind of have this thing where i really have a morbid curiosity about child actors growing up um like i adore cory feldman and so like kurt cameron cory feldman it all kind of goes together i will be honest for years when i was younger i thought kurt cameron was john stamos <laughs> um, I, you know there's an actor from a sitcom in the 80s probably finds christ might make a movie might make a beach boys album you know. I, it, it's funny um, because i um my connection with him was he vaguely reminded me of rob lowe from certain angles and i just couldn't help but see like chris traeger from parks and rec if yeah. he'd found god um so you've got the well, rob lowe john stamos connection there a hundred percent. I mean, and you're right there. I didn't really get when we were watching this film. You you said he looked like um give you Neil Patrick Harris vibes. He did, yeah. I can see I can see Neil Patrick Harris and Rob Lowe <laughs> merge them and you merge them, take away the personality, and you've got Kurt Cam. <laughs> um, for the record, as well, I've never seen Growing Pains. Um, just like I never seen Fool House. These family sitcoms from the eighties. That was going to be I my no interest. That was going to be my question was. Did you know Kirk Cameron pre him finding God? Like, had you, have you seen him before he emerged from the Christ no, cocoon? Not at all. Um, I I remember him being on talk shows or reality shows and um, talking about 
turning, finding God, and then leaving the show and not speaking to his co-stars or calling them blasphemous or whatever he did. <laughs> but I, I have no interest in watching Growing Pains. Like it's, it's that weird subgenre of family sitcoms, especially American ones, that just no interest for me. Um, so yeah, not not really anything. And again, if I did know him, I would have been confusing him with someone else. Um, I have known him post Finding Christ though, because I'm semi aware because I've seen the first Left Behind film. Yeah. So I, I I've seen him before, but it's been a long time. And again, I thought that was John Stamos that starred in that. So <laughs> mixes up a little bit. Yeah. But anyway, so here we are in 2014, getting ready to save Christmas. And do you want to lead us in? So we watched this film. Um, I pirated it. Um, after we got there eventually, after I had accidentally pirated another film called Saving Christmas, which was from 2017, and you watched what a half an hour of that one? I, I watched the whole fucking. Uh, <laughs> I missed the last five minutes. Um, so for this session, I have watched two Saving Christmases, <laughs> and um, so I'm. I, this is also why I'm going to get you to run through this film as well because I'm going to be speaking about the wrestling that wasn't in it in the time you know. <laughs> Santa and Ed Asner hung out and all this. So yeah, we we did start watching this. We probably got in a couple of minutes. Quickly, well, I'm I'm ashamed to admit it took me longer to notice it wasn't Kurt Cameron's Christmas. <laughs> it was even as the cast was rolling in, you know, I was Ed Asner and I was like, oh yeah, he, maybe he worked with Kurt Cameron back and you know, like I just didn't think uh, it would click. So yes, we had to get this through less than legal means. I don't even know where it's available, so I couldn't even tell you it. DM Kurt Cameron yourself if you want a copy. <laughs> it's not easy to find, though. I think it used to be on some things, but got taken down. I think I read somewhere that it was on Hulu at one point before getting yeah. removed from there. And well, that's it. And that's kind of linking into his, the previous documentary I was reading, sorry, the whatever, Unstoppable. He got pulled from YouTube and various other platforms just because of the backlash and the critical... Uh, reception it received so i assume there's something very similar going on with saving christmas is that it's fuck it you no one can see it but pure christians people aren't like, ready for order it, from, they're not ready yeah <laughs> order through the order through the way of the master dvds or whatever his ministry is called okay do you have the financial information for this film because i feel that's something yes. relevant to run through so i i have two sources here that tell me differently okay so um wikipedia goes with a five hundred thousand dollar budget yeah and gross returns of 2.8 million so i'm assuming that's its theatrical run yeah this is close however with reruns which kurt cameron's counting and i assume dvd sales he's put that number up to 8 million wow so it's um by some accounts relatively successful i mean even 2.8 million on no budget really yeah with no advertising there's some black adam accounting going on but even if you take the most conservative estimates he is wiping the floor with jenny mccarthy like there is no dirty well, love <laughs> no dirty <laughs> love going on here like this is how you do it my friend mm -hmm. and that's what i was thinking it's like not only did it smash smash its theatrical run in comparison but this is exactly the type of film that will have made six million on dvd or something because there's always going to be conservative Christians out there in America that'll buy this for a dollar. There you go. Um, it's, it's the evangelical market. Like they, They've won elections. They're not going to let you down. They're apparently more reliable than the horny teenage boy audience. So <laughs> that's the lesson we've learned from these past two episodes. <laughs> a very rare success, I would say. Um, if it wasn't for, for, for such the... And this is by far the lowest rated um, or the lowest 
received critically of everything we've watched. I mean, there's not one positive. It's zero across the board, zero, zero, zero. So if it didn't have that infamy attached to it, I think Kurt could chalk this up as a success. <laughs> <laughs> Should we start off with the, the production companies? Yes. So it comes up, all the usual... Uh... Well, we made a joke because when we watched the first Saving Christmas and all these um, no-name, non-existent companies flashed up, and I, I made an off joke about it, um, you know, can't wait to see what these guys have got up. But when we were watching this film, what, what turns up when um, the uh, producer logos is uh, Samuel Goldwyn films, which threw me off right away. Um, <laughs> He's dead, isn't because, he? You know, <laughs> yeah, was <isn't> dead? <laughs> but, you know, I was expecting Cameron Goldwyn films presents or, you know, yeah. a Kirk film production. <laughs> but I did, I did, as we looked at it, it is Samuel Goldwyn Jr., yeah. the son. Yeah. So uh, I'm not, who also does a lot of Christian Christmas uh, tart, basically. He's not a complete fail son, though. He's produced some, like, legit things. Like, I want to say produced, like, a Best Picture winner, produced Secret Life of Walter Mitty. You looked at it and there's a lot of tat there including that Kevin Smith fan film, uh, Shooting Clerks. But if you look at his the list of uh, Sammy Goldwyn Jr. films, there are a lot of heavy hitters in there. So he's not a complete non-entity. Okay. And because uh, I did have a look through them, and there is a lot. Most of them as well, similar to this one, are co-produced as well. Yeah. With a, with a million destination he's films. not mgm but i'm in talks with this guy kyle he might be making the jetsons films so let's be a little bit kinder to old samuel goldwyn jr i'm sure his dad is very proud of what he's achieved in the industry okay no no he also they were also um responsible for shooting clerks one of your favorites so yeah well in the interest i want, of I want you to retract down, everything i'm not gonna say anything about shooting clerks but so we, anyway. we start off with samuel goldwyn jr films the other thing we get is a title card saying Liberty University training champions for Christ since 1971. And yes, like the idea that this might be a student film and worse than that, a Christian student <laughs> film, that sort of uh, permeates the, the film because there are lots of moments in this where it's very ropey on a technical level. And it yeah. seems like it's being filmed by the Kirk Cameron Film School. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. So the film opens as well. I, I'll pick this little bit. It takes op- opens on a Kirk Cameron roasting by a eighty-yard fireplace <laughs> um, <laughs> next to an oversized Christmas tree, drinking out of an empty mug of hot chocolate. Oh, that's a philosophical question. Like, if a mug is empty, can it be a hot, can it be a mug of hot chocolate? <laughs> This, there's nothing in this mug behind me. This Poland mug that this guy's holding, there's nothing in it. It's all lies. <laughs> Which is this, this, I call it the Bondian cold opening for this film. Yeah. Um, but basically he addresses the audience, breaks the fourth wall, talks about how the holidays are being taken and... Well, no, no, no. Let's start, let's start with the first actual line, which is, I love Christmas. Oh, you've got lines, good. <laughs> I love Christmas. I love everything about Christmas. I love lamps. Wait, look, I what? love like uh, trees. <laughs> I love mugs. I love presents. I love chestnuts. Loves, ropes no, that, yeah. that's why I made that joke because he twice mentions he loves hot chocolate. Yeah, it's one of his list. And then at the end, nothing like a good hot chocolate. And visibly holds the mug up to his face <laughs> to see that there's nothing in it. Like, ah, oh, it's insane. So, so he does start with the positive case about how much he loves Christmas. 
And it's only no, yeah. after he's made it clear that not only does he love Christmas, but every right-thinking, sane American loves Christmas. He lets us all in on the gang. It's like, and you, viewer, I know you love Christmas. Mm-hmm. We love Christmas. We all love Christmas. Listen, you're here because you love Christmas. But there are some wet blankets out there who, can you believe this? They don't want us to love Christmas. <laughs> they don't like Christmas. They want us to be ashamed of Christmas. And it, this was quite funny to me, the the unintentional irony of an evangelical homophobe being like, they want us to be ashamed of Christmas. They say our love of Christmas is unnatural. They say keep it behind closed doors. They say do it in private. We don't want to see it. Don't put it out in the public for my kids to see. They don't want us to have a Christmas parade. Can you imagine that? That isn't right, okay? So I also want to point out as well, this is a record in our Razzie run for you saying you hate a film. The quickest. Um, it's got to be the quickest. Because we were in the cold opening and you were you told me you hated this and this isn't the jericho i'm used to i'm used to the jericho that's oh well john asher might have a directorial trick up his sleeve and oh the cinematography could be this is the okay. quickest you turned on this well, probably quicker than mike lindell keep my director's name out your fucking mouth because me and john <laughs> asher are friends we're going to be exchanging dms on instagram so don't you don't you dare um <laughs> If, if I was in the same room with you, you'd be getting a slap, <laughs> um, uh, But um, for even even daring to compare John Asher to this pile of crap, John Asher with like Darren, Dwayne, Dwight, whatever the fuck this idiot's name is. Um, yeah, okay, let's not... I, I, I can't keep it bottled up any longer. I hated this film. I know we went into it being like, it's 79 minutes long, how bad can it possibly be? This is going to be great. I mean, part of it might be that expect this to be funnier and easier to laugh at than it actually was um i i I expected like evangelical diehard or evangelical home alone where kirk's sort of fighting off the infidels who are trying to uh take the christ out of christmas but i think the this the reason i hated this so viscerally it might be like i don't know there might be something going on with my past in that this is just pushing the buttons of like Sunday school, like when my parents would send me off to like, like church camp for a week in the summer, or like you had people like coming in, like we went to a secular school, but we got a lot of like preachers mm. coming in and talking at us, and that just like really annoyed me. Like I, I, I was fine learning about, I was quite interested in religion, but as soon as it became like a sort of like here's the facts, kid, as soon as it. As soon as you got that sort of high and mighty preachy angle, that really turned me off. And that's what this was right from the off. And so hmm. it just it, it pushed my buttons in all the worst way. And uh, I yeah, I really did not have a good time with this film. And then like, I understand that. And I agree for the most part. I had much more fun than you did uh, watching Yeah, because you like all these is... Jesus freaks. <laughs> <laughs> I just watched a film about Jesus Freaks before it. Um, so, like, like I do think the bar was set very low. I think this was a missed opportunity. This this would have been much more fun in person, I think. Just even when we were chatting online while watching it, we would have riffed so much harder in person. Um, I, don't, I don't think... So, I, on some level, yes, this was miserable. I would never recommend this to anyone. And we'll go through it why, but 
on the other level, you know, like I did laugh. I laughed way more than I did in Dirty Love. Like if I was sitting by myself watching this, I would have been miserable, but yeah. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. And although it's 79 minutes, five minutes is a cold open, 10 minutes are credits and gag reels. So like it's barely 50 odd minutes in total. Easy, easy days. Yeah, I, I wish I shared that. But um, as we said, with Dirty Love, we were a third of the way through without even breaking the sweat. Whereas with this, I feel like we just left the cold open. I was like, surely we must now be a good 45 minutes into this 79 minute film i was like what no wait we're not even that's one of my favorite parts as well as we leave this cold open away from kurt cameron by the fireplace uh we get our second titles um you know starring kurt cameron we get calm film stu- calm farm studios i think it was called um <laughs> fan which i love studios. Because... kurt cameron fan camps <laughs> <laughs> send us your kurt cameron fan camps it's just the, the way it was done um, implied to me that Samuel Goldwyn only produced the first cold <laughs> open five minutes <laughs> and now Calm Farm's taken over and we're in for a different film, here we go but that's not really the case, is it? No, so yeah, let's talk a little bit about that title sequence where we do get that weird ska cover of Silent Night it's really, really bizarre and it's just, I don't know, yeah. it's that I'll, I'll have to retract this because I did like the, uh, I did like the closing credit song but I was saying to you, I was like, what is it about Christian, like, what is it about Christian rock that just, as soon as a band becomes Christian, they just lose it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I always, I'm a strange person. I, I adore, like, Dylan's Christian trilogy. I, I like, I like it when people find Christ. I think that you're always going to have something funny to me. Um, but this is not that case. And I think really early on, with the ska, I mean, so the previous Saving Christmas, and I'm going to try not to compare the two, had a lot of generic stock music or just covers of Oh Noel or Silent Night done by a teenage pop punk band or someone we can do tripe and royalty free. So the soundtrack wasn't glaring to me already. I was already annoyed. So like I've already experienced an hour and a half of this. Um, this wasn't new yet. This wasn't the insanity yet. This wasn't anything different. This was a generic, we're going to get that Hallmark movie that you kind of expected, or I expected. You expected way more than I did. So yeah, they, we get those credits, we get all the names, we're getting the cheap ska pop punk, but um, it doesn't quite prepare you for what's going to happen, um, which is a Christmas party, right? Yeah. yeah. We don't have any more scenes in between, do we? Yeah. Um, no, we go straight <laughs> in. I, I think there's maybe like uh, shots of uh, like... Bethlehem or something and a donkey while he does his little, you know, stories are tricky things, especially ones that we've heard lots of times. But there's always virtue in hearing a story that you've heard. In fact, the greatest story ever told begins at a Christmas party. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, it's his, and it's his, it's his sister's, um, not the real Kirk Cameron's sister, because God, no. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, it's his sister's uh, house and they're having an argument aren't they at the start um about her husband his brother-in-law and how god i need you to help me here i'm trying to think when does the wrestling come into it <laughs> um well this is just i can't remember um i can't remember much about the party because the the born like the the paul greengrass-esque camera work just sort of shook was shaking me around too much all the thoughts rattled out of my head oh um, yeah 
I this, forgot about that. This, um, this party is filmed like a war zone. Like it's all sort of like shaky handheld stuff and not in the way that like it's an intentional, like it, it, it's semi-intentional, but also poorly done. And that was my first like, uh, okay, this is being done by students who just don't have mm-hmm. any technical grounding. Because I can somewhat get the idea of like, oh, hey, let's film this like domestic argument as if it's like, ah, uh, like Matt Damon yeah, fighting. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, that's an interesting <laughs> idea on paper. But once you've made more than one film, you realize that that probably isn't going to work. Um, and yeah. so it was just, it, it wasn't good. So people are running around, people are having hot chocolate and we've got this kind of like documentary GoPro, like, mm-hmm. um, which is represented in, because it's even at the Christmas party, it's the brother-in-law doesn't love Christmas. He's annoyed by it. He's in a huff. Um, we keep, we cut to this guy and, um, sorry, the, one of the guys behind me in my picture, um, it was, I can't even remember their name. Uh, oh, there's two, two guys and they're speaking with mugs over their mouths about conspiracy theories yeah. and it's shit. It is really that, shit. It's weird comes, as well. That comes later. Not that it matters where it comes, but that's like the cutaway after after Kirk's told us about the swaddling cloth. Okay, see, I thought that was all in a car. And, and no, so um, we, we get the party. Kirk argues with his sister about like some crap. And then she's like, oh, like my husband, he's kind of moping around. And then Kirk goes to see what's happening with um, his brother-in-law. And I can't remember if he actually finds him in the car or if he finds him like sitting I think, outside. I, and... Yeah, I think they go in the car to have a have a talk basically about why he's so depressed. Exactly. I, I, yeah, I think he yeah. finds him just sort of sitting outside. And then he's like, hey, listen... Mano mano, let's go and uh, sit in the car and we'll we'll talk things over. So Kirk wheedles out of uh, him like, "Hey, my man, you've been." Well, I like I like this bit though because <sighs> the brother-in-law is like, no, because I laughed. It's my first laugh. Um, the brother-in-law is like, oh, you know, Christmas is a load of junk. It's a load of shit. You know, fucking the trees are from Sawin and pagan, and you know, presents are, you know, it's heathen. It's wrong. It's all commercial. It's all wrong and we've just taken all these traditions and it's all just it just feels so wrong and not the way god intended kirk sits there they have a fist bump boom. Yeah. kirk sits there listens and smiles nodly and just is like nah you're fucking wrong mate you're wrong 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 and i'm going to tell you why you're a fucking moron well yeah this I'm a bit paraphrased but <laughs> that's basically what uh, this is what i want to get into because the one he brings them into the car they have their little speech about pretense and obligation and uh, the, the thing I liked was the brother says, uh, uh, and, and this is a trick that the film does a lot. Like a lot of this film is voiceover, which I don't know, makes me doubt my doubt my uh, theory with absolute proof that I'd have enjoyed it more if we just sort of drifted off and saw random images of the things that the My Pillow guy was talking about. Yeah, because this is just random images over Kirk monologuing. But the brother-in-law is like. You know, Christmas, like, they've ruined it. It's not It's not special. It's not sacred or holy. It's just perverted symbols with hidden meanings. And the image accompanying that is a candy cane. So, do you know, can you tell me what the perverted symbolism or the hidden meaning of a candy cane is? <laughs> I forgot. I actually missed that. Um, I No, I, I totally missed that bit. I don't know why. Um... <laughs> 
Did he tell? Did he give us the reason behind the candy cane? No. Did Kirk tell? No, us? Kirk didn't no, tell no. us that. That's still <laughs> that he's saving that for saving Christmas too. Fair, fair point. And then uh, they they have a big speech about Jesus being put in the corner during Christmas, and he's secondary. <laughs> and my note for that is nobody puts Jesus in the corner, um, <laughs> because that's what Kirk sets himself the the sort of the manifesto, the goal of this film is Kirk taking Jesus out of the corner and putting him front and centre where he deserves to be. And so um, that's what we get is kind of like an episodic thing where Kirk's brother-in-law, who honestly seems like he's on the brink of committing like a mass shooting or something, he basically tells Kirk about his, like, the nihilism that he's experiencing over the festive season. Mm -hmm. And Kirk sort of listens. There's lots of close-ups of Kirk hand on chin nodding and doing like like again, like like we said in the absolute proof episode, Mike Lindell does nothing. Mike Lindell is just like a brick wall when you're speaking to him. And I think I said I tend to go too much the other way, where I think I am way too much like Kirk Cameron, in that I'll be actively posing, stroking my chin, going like, hmm, oh, interesting. Ah, yeah. Mm, mm, oh, oh, tell that's me it. more. I, I feel the biggest difference is there. If uh, Kirk Cameron was waving about a coffee mug and jittering, <laughs> <I'd have> been, <laughs> and cutting them off and fading them out, I'd have had a wonderful time. Wow, um, so you're telling it, me that people are taking the Christ out of Christmas? <laughs> How are they doing that? Are they using some kind of machine? Is there a machine that's extracting the uh, the uh, symbolism from our candy canes and sending off to China? And I think this entire scene where the brother-in-law is kind of, yeah, talking about is losing a faith. I don't think Kirk blinks once. I'm convinced. No. Like, he is just hand on chin, nodding, smiling, unblinking, staring into his soul. He's just, you know, like, I've seen people like Kirk where, you know, you're just waiting, waiting to listen just to go, you're fucking wrong. It's um, it's it's not false sincerity. I just hate it. Yeah, exactly. It's that's the evangelical thing of like they think they're playing 4D chess because they they'll be mm-hmm. like it's that sort of smugness of like I'm gonna like nod politely, um, like as if I'm listening to what you have to say, but inside I know exactly what I'm going to respond with because it's yeah. the same thing that I respond to everything with, which is like interesting. Have you considered that you're wrong and that God says this? <laughs> and yeah, so um, this is another very sort of episodic film. Thankfully, yeah. not too many episodes. Do you remember the first one, the swaddling cloth one? What's I the... don't. I, I couldn't remember. Um, I thought it was he was talking about snow globes. And, yeah. Oh, no, wait, I do remember. It's because he was going on about the nativity scene inside a snow globe. Yeah. And Kurt Cameron tells him that the swaddling of baby Jesus in the nativity scene is parallel to Jesus on the cross, which is a recurring thing. And the, was it the cloth? Yeah, it was the cloth. The cloth that he was, the shroud or whatever it was. He just goes on and he speaks about birth and death being intertwined and swaddling cloth being like, Jesus is born in a barn, he's going to die. And he's like, this baby came here to die and he redeemed all of us by dying. (laughs) And the cave in the barn and like, I don't know. And what was that that great line about the Romans? Um, that they, not even the soldiers didn't get to kill the baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, you know, what a shame, Kurt. Um, Doesn't get to kill the baby is is one of the more interesting <laughs> lines in this film. I, I love these. I love to see from uh, swaddling cloth to Jesus on a cross. 
you know, if it rhymes, kind of, it's got, it's got to be true, right? And he's so smug as well when he says it. Yeah. Yeah. So this, the first one is about the nativity, um, which was strange. Um, we did get, is this where we got the little cartoon as well? A little animated bit? Um, I can't remember. I believe so. Um, I'm going to say yes, because that's why I was convinced we were going to get a cartoon at the end. Yeah. You know, it'd be full circle. Um, but yeah, basically, he's like, swaddling cloths, you know, Jesus on the cross. It's got to be true. Yeah. And, have you not, uh, have the brother... never considered why the wise men brought frankincense and myrrh to the baby Jesus? Mm-hmm. They're burial spices. It's because they know yes, he's the... going to die. And I was like, okay, yes. well, giving your kids a present for its funeral, that's kind of fucked up. We should be asking more when huh? they have a sick, twisted sense of humor. Why was these joker <laughs> types turning up being like, hey, listen, we brought a baby-sized coffin to your son's birth. You might never need it, but if you do need it, better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it. Am I right? Well, that's it. Uh, Kurt Cameron doesn't think these are morbid jokesters. He thinks they're foreshadowing. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so the, and then the brother-in-law, who's called Christian, I do remember it because he's a Christian who's not a very good Christian. Yeah, these um, are, these are not the sharpest people that we're dealing with, are they? There's, (laughs) there's not, not much. Yeah. It's what links us into the next segment, which is which is what I jumped on. Is when he's talking well, about the Christmas tree. Yeah, this is the war on Christmas. So we get the war on Christmas the war on- after we've done the swaddling cloth. It um it cuts back to um DeAndre and the uh, the um the the Polish. You did guy. not remember that name. <laughs> no, no, I did. Surely uh, not. DeAndre. Oh, yeah, I I remember him because I was like, DeAndre is this film's uh, Tyrone from uh, My Son Hunter where every conservative movie needs a black man who's just going to, like, spout off about, like, I don't know, spout loads of conservative talking points because you can tell they're all just, like, so over the moon about their one black Mm. friend that they want to share it with the world. Like, look, look, we aren't just a bunch of old white guys. Here, we've got a black friend. Listen to what DeAndre has to say. Um, Mm -hmm. And so DeAndre's talking to the... um, other like Rafi's uh, name is apparently Rafi. Oh, interesting. Okay, yeah. They have their little. I actually remember it when you made me listen to the rap at the end of <laughs> uh, the film. He, he does actually. I don't know if that's the name of the actor or the character, but I remember it. DeAndre is talking to Rafi, and this is where they have their what is almost like the closest the film comes to sparking into life for me. And I'm not just saying that because it's the premise of a short film that we made together. But they're having hushed, like they're having the sort of like shining through spy conversation behind a newspaper where they're like, the cock crows at midnight, like, good, great, like, Merry Christmas to you. Like, they're having like a hushed conversation about the war on Christmas. We're like, you hear about that war on Christmas? They're trying to make me say happy holidays. I will never say happy holidays. They will never take the Christ out of Christmas. Like, I will die before I let them, like, <laughs> before I let them make me celebrate Hanukkah. They just have that little weird, paranoid, paranoid conversation. And that was what really, like, it troubled me because I was like, this suggests more self-awareness than I think Kirk Cameron has. Whereas, like, you do realize, like, that's what you guys sound like. Like, the way it was presented was like he was satirizing himself and their sort of paranoia. And I was like, Mm -hmm. is he... Because I was like, this is just... This isn't really ramped up. This is kind of what you guys normally sound like. 
And yet you're presenting it for laughs here when you very much aren't in the rest of the film. So that kind of threw me for a loop. I agree with that. I mean, see, I'm a little bit different. Obviously, I thought of the short film we did together right away, and that was distracting for me. But (laughs) this was my first warning sign. I I know there's been lots of warning signs, but this was the first time I noticed this was filler. This has nothing to do with anything. This is not Kurt Cameron explaining Christmas to me or saving Christmas. This is filler. This is just padding that's to make this film over an hour. And I got really worried because I, I was worried there's going to be way more of this and we weren't going to get the breakaway segments for Kirk. Um, I didn't know Kirk was going to be sitting in a car for 40 minutes either, but I was very worried when we seen these guys because I, I was oh, now we're going to go to the sister and now we're going to hear how what she thinks of Muslims or something, you know, like it's just going to get grim. Yeah, them being in the car is another connection with My Son Hunter because what I'm coming to realize is just every conservative movie, the basis of it is two men sitting in a car talking to each other for an hour because that's what this film is. Christians mm. in cars getting coffee. And yeah, it, it's I'm going to I'm going to say for, I'm going to say for the record of our three conservative Christian films we've watched. This is my favorite. Oh um, my god, really? This 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 is absolutely my favorite. Um this was my least favorite. Over over absolute proof. Over like the 2 hours of absolute proof, yeah. I You'd watch absolute proof over Kirk Cameron saving Christmas. Honestly, yeah, Mike Lindell's a more charismatic guy than <laughs> Like I can't I can't say no to Dr. Shiva. This just like uh, this really rubbed me up the wrong way and I know I said that like I know I said that um absolute proof was like uh was a horrible experience, but that was just kinda cause it bored me, whereas this actively annoyed me. Um so Very true. Yeah. I mean that's very true, but nah, you're wrong. You're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. I'm going to tell you why. See, it starts back in Genesis. <laughs> Picture a cave, Jericho. Yeah. But yeah, so after we jump back into the car with Kirk and the director, we get to what the first like segment I was jumping on, which is um, the director complaining about Christmas trees and how they are yeah. pagan. Um, I don't think he says Solwyn specifically, but pagan, no. old. This solstice. Is... I think he does talk about winter solstice. Um, yeah. And I jumped on it right away. I was like, it's going to be fucking crosses. Like, I, I was thinking like Kirk. I was trying to get in the Kirk mindset. And I was like, tree, wood, cross. There's my there's my connection. Like, you know, swaddling cloth. It's all going to go back to the cross. So I was furious when it went back to Genesis. And um, Kirk explains to us that a bald Adam taken... <laughs> <laughs> the fruit of life or whatever the fuck from the tree um and you know it's the first tree it's the very first tree from god it's the tree of all the gifts and that's why we hold it up yeah hang on let's and just I clarify was... here so bald adam for the listeners it, it, when they, <laughs> the actor who they have playing adam in the garden of eden is bald and it's jarring because i've never seen a bald adam before so uh in case you're in case you're not familiar with the the tenets of christian religion Bald Adam isn't a character. It's an Adam who is bald. <laughs> but anyway, yes, on you yes. go. Sorry. On I go. Um, so, and I, you know, I got really annoyed as well because I, I just thought I was wrong. Um, and that's when Kirk starts going on about the, Christ, the crucifixion. And I think he goes on about death again as well. But no, he says literally, crucifix, it's a tree, you know, held up Jesus. So we have to hold up baubles and tinsel just 
just like he died for our sins. And I can't actually remember the right rational reason he made, but it was something like wood, tree, things. Um, we worship it, we hold the cross up. And I was delighted that I got it right because now I'm in the mindset of Kirk. Now everything's just going to be the cross. Now everything's going to be easy. It's going to be, <laughs> you know, um, it's going to be absolutely fun. Um, I'm sure at this time as well, he does talk about the Nutcrackers doll. Like, because Kirk Cameron has a giant six foot Nutcracker doll in his house. Which really fucking distracted me for some reason. Because maybe it's just because we're British and I don't think Nutcrackers are a thing as much over here. Um, yeah. Maybe in the 30s. I don't know. I, I've never actually seen one. I've never seen one in my life. I know of them. I know it. I know what it is. But I've never actually seen a Nutcracker in a house. And he goes on about how the Nutcrackers are soldiers. I can't remember for what war. I could look up, but I can't be bothered. But basically, he's like, Nutcrackers, they represent soldiers from the Bible, and you, they protect us, so we put them up. Which makes sense why he placed it next to his tree. You know, so the soldiers looking after the cross. I don't know. I have no idea. Um, the analogy gets very messy, but I, I, I had fun at this part because now I'm thinking like Kirk, now I'm getting into his mindset, and I knew all roads were leading to Santa. I knew Santa was going to be the problem for the director. And I couldn't wait to kind of see Kirk's explanation for it, which is the next segment, unless there's anything else in between that I've forgotten. Um, I I have a, I have a couple notes, but um, first off, I just want to say I can tell that you're Kirk Pill. I can tell that you're inhabiting the mind getting of Kirk it. Cameron because I'm getting very close to just turning off the Zoom call because I'm like, oh my God, no, I can see Kirk getting channeled through Kyle. <laughs> it's like I'm hearing it again. I can see your enthusiasm for the metaphors and the interpretations coming across here and it's repelling me. Um, but, I've, got, uh, I've got an empty mug around here somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he his his little line, which summarizes his his thinking, is trees are unfinished crosses. Because he's like, because Christ was crucified, a after Adam, original sin, Christ atoned for the sins of everyone by being crucified, and that means that no one else will have to get crucified. And so... That's what he's saying. It's like mm. trees are now able to realize their potential as unfinished crosses. They won't be chopped down and made into crucifixes because Jesus died for us. And so just think of that next time you see a Christmas tree. I mm -hmm. I can't imagine anything worse than just looking at like looking around at Christmas trees, gathering around the Christmas tree with your family on like Christmas morning, seeing like the joy on like your loved ones' faces as they open gifts and thinking like, yeah. I'm glad I don't have to get crucified. That's a way <laughs> off my mind. Um, I've also, but apparently uh, for Kirk, got... that's, that gets him off. That's what he enjoys. <laughs> I also forgot, like, it's going back, it's uh, the fucking great line of, uh, when God created the world, he filled it with trees. He brought them inside. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, you were like, what the fuck are you going on about, Kirk? God said, like, let there be light. That's... And he put the Christmas lights on his tree. And uh, yeah. Trees like... first. Day one, trees. You yeah. know, day two, the rest. You know, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> the mountains and the animals, whatever. You've got like, to get those trees in there. What was God's house made out of um, if he brought <laughs> trees inside on the second day? This was where um, we don't. We're not licorice pizza pilled in this episode. We're Terence Malick pilled because he's my favorite Christian director. And so there were moments where they were there was like a close up of like like the swaddling cloth when I was like, oh, like 
like a, a sort of like shaky close up of something with light filtering in while voiceover mm-hmm. going on. And I was like, oh, like a voice talking to me about Christianity. I was like, oh, wish I was watching Terrence Malick do this because he's able to do it with <laughs> some kind of like poetry and he's able to make Christianity like appealing and universal to like someone who isn't Christian yeah. like me. And then there's a lot of references to the tree of life. And again, I just, I can't hear that without being like, yeah, the tree of life. Wish I was watching that. Where instead. are the dinosaurs? I <laughs> <laughs> wish I was watching the birth of compassion as opposed to like a reminder that I don't have to be crucified. Thanks to Jesus taking one for the team. But yeah. And, 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 Maybe maybe we'll say this now. I I I had been uh I'd been advised by a friend of the show Marnie to like not do anything too controversial, which is like, yeah, remember you want people to be listening to this podcast and liking it. So try your best not to alienate like large swathes <laughs> of potential listeners. But I'm forget that. Um, Fuck thirty percent of the global population. <laughs> evangelical Christians. I cannot. If this is if this is the kind of bullshit that you like, I'm sorry, but this is clearly not the podcast for you because I cannot stand it. I hated this so much, and just like Kirk, Kirk Cameron in this, he perfectly replicates the experience of like a youth pastor speaking to you, like. We just got endless influxes of them coming into our school yeah. and speaking oh, yeah. at us. Just, just minus the yo-yos, really, to be honest. <laughs> um, and you know, my my brother, um, I think my brother was maybe he was probably at primary school. I think my brother was probably around twelve when he had uh, the experience with like Chris, one of the cool guy ones who was like from Canada and wore a baseball cap, and he like sidled up to my brother while he was playing football and was like, "My brother was in goals; he was a goalkeeper." And Chris was like, kind of like leaning up against the goalpost, trying to talk to him, be like, "Oh, like goaltender, eh? Like, you know who else likes saving uh, the Lord?" <laughs> and my brother was like, "Can you leave me alone? I'm trying to concentrate." <laughs> um, and that was that was the best rebuttal to any of them that I had ever. I I'd left school by this point in time, but I was like, "Oh my God, you genius! You don't have to like say anything offensive to them, or you don't have to like." shout at them or snap you can just say please leave me alone and so this film depriving me of the opportunity to say kirk cameron please leave me alone i'm not interested i want to turn this off this was a really difficult experience for me and i did not have a good time with this film but i anyway i'm not just saying i'm not just thinking that i i don't have the lack of a any religious upbringing Uh, i don't have any sorry i don't have any religious upbringing i don't have any evangelical experiences that would put me off. Uh, I'm fascinated as well by these kind of, especially especially conversions, because the righteousness, the pompous arrogance, the smugness, there's something, I don't know, it's almost like punishing almost, but I just, I, I, I find it funny. I find it really funny. Um, I, I really like a washed up child actor from the 80s sitting there with plastic surgery with an empty mug explaining to me where trees came from i just i think this is this is what i want to see more than dirty love i'm afraid um yeah sorry we're on the opposite this might be the end of the podcast to be honest with you we're gonna splinter (laughs) off and i'm gonna i'm gonna start a podcast with john asher and you can go off and have like the christian talk radio with uh kurt cameron um but anyway featuring pia zadora Anyway, to try and reconcile us, I'll reach out to you with the olive branch of the quote from this film, which Kirk says, I'm glad my sister married you. This is awesome. 
Um, <laughs> and then we get back on track with Santa. The main event. If this didn't win you over, then you're soulless. Yeah. <laughs> to so be honest. Christian's objection is like, you know what? Like, okay, you've convinced me that the nativity scene, cool. You've convinced me trees that they are rooted in uh, Christianity. They're not a pagan hedonist symbol. Yeah. But what does a fat guy, a jolly fat guy, have to do with Jesus? And no, well, I, yeah, I like it. I like, what, I like when he's. I like when he sets up. The director sets up with um. It's not even paraphrasing that badly. He is literally a Santa. You know, sounds a lot like Satan. It's an anagram. You know, you can't just. <laughs> anagram of things that's what does that mean kirk you know explain your way out of that one yeah. and while we're at what, it what a coincidence god and dog that's a bit fishy isn't it <laughs> <laughs> and then we get the best the best segment of the whole film and it it did worry me a lot because my expectations are going high okay okay wait wait, wait, wait. Let, me, let me just introduce this with how kirk introduces it because he has a quote okay here. yes before we before we go off into the the fantasy scene, before we spiral off into the vision, the visuals that accompany this, Kirk begins it by saying, "Yeah, the real Santa was a bad dude." Yes, yes. So that, I, I have that door. I wasn't going to miss that. Um, <laughs> genuinely, again. So I think I've been laughing at this film most of the way through here. I laughed out loud at this point my my girlfriend looked at me when i laughed out loud um and i can't explain it because it's i'm watching a 2014 christmas movie where he's quoting joe biden and, <laughs> and uh, i i just I, I lost it i was i wasn't even prepared for where we were going because like i say i was ready for disappointment when the scene seeks but i i actually laughed um, which is more than we've done in so many films this, this is what i want in a razi film i want to laugh at the film yeah and i did i'm glad <laughs> come on man we got santa out here He's doing the doing the killing the, the infidels jack and the the proselytizing and the come on man satan satan was brought me a present of course back in the day to bring you a call under the tree man uh, so anyway, yes. After after this line, we we leap back to three hundred two three two five AD. I think he says. Um, I could be wrong, and it's the to set up Saint Nicholas. Yeah, yeah. who does tell us is a bad. He does, you know, he's a bad dude. He's a bad guy. Um, bad in a good way. I think he says as well. Um, but yeah, how he's a violent sociopath <laughs> who beats the shit out of any other Christian who disagrees or disbelieves what he thinks, you know? Well, like, I love it. <laughs> we need to sort of describe the visuals here because, A, nobody should watch this film. Like, do not watch this film. Don't be... I know you might watch be like, this oh, film. I'm interested in seeing what these guys are trying... Don't. Please no, don't. No, don't. But, um, Listen, it, it watch is, it. It is a key part of appreciating it, um, the sort of, like, tackiness and the cheapness of it. Santa is kind of dressed a bit like a biker, like a like fourth I, century. I thought like a, I thought Viking. That was that was my initial reaction. Yeah, but he's got kind um, of leather, doesn't he? Like he's got like leather he motorcycle leather. boots. He's, <laughs> but he's Vikings have leather, too. not the same. Like, way. I was waiting for George Thorogood to start playing as you get like bad to the bone Santa walking into a bar and be like, "Hey, well, is there anyone here that doesn't believe <laughs> doesn't believe in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ?" <laughs> Um, well, it's because, so Kirk Cameron sets this up by telling us that there's a council meeting um, to establish making Jesus official as our Lord and Savior. Yeah. 
and it's set in Turkey and St. Nicholas oh, yeah. is coming to this council yeah. and he's wading through the fields of snow through Turkey, famous. And I, when you see him, he's holding a shepherd's pole as well. Yeah, a crook. And I, um, a crook, sorry. Yeah, I immediately thought of uh, Sean Bean in Game of Thrones. He's got that fur, <laughs> kind of leather, heavy coat on. Uh, he's got a bad wig on. Yeah. Um, he looks fantastic. He looks, yeah. I, I think Vikings. I'm still going with Vikings. Yeah, yeah. Um, we'll post on, we'll post on Twitter. You can vote. Um, ter- Terminator or Viking. But anyway, he arrives, he arrives at the council and they're all talking, like muttering to themselves. And he's got this ominous kind of presence. He comes into frame, which is the music swilling. And then he sits down. The day and... I was born, the nurses all got around. The gaze but I don't remember. Or, I don't remember Arnie just sitting down with a biker and having a chat, and, you know, <laughs> discussing it. And so, I was, <laughs> so my heart sunk here because oh no, like he was a violent dude, but Kirk's not going to show us the violence. Obviously not. Like oh, but no. What's the what's the actual line? It, it's something oh. like it's something like he uh, he persuaded him with his words. And then he persuaded him with his fist or something. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he, he has great. a reasonable debate with the guy about, like, it really makes me sad that you don't honour our uh, Lord and Saviour. And you're like, typical Christian nonsense. Mm-hmm. Limp Christian nonsense. Even the, the chance to give us Santa John Wick, as you called him, has been taken away from us. And then it just mm-hmm. flips and he socks the guy in the cheek and do you no, you've got. And this is away? another great thing. It, it properly encapsulates 2014 because the dubstep starts blaring, and Santa is just taking out motherfuckers yeah. left and right. We know? get dubstep Terminator <laughs> Santa just wreaking havoc. Um, and then Kirk, Kirk tells us that he, although the council stripped him um, of any of his <laughs> titles, and Bishop, the people loved him. You know, yeah. the, he, he was a people's. People's champion. Everyone uh, wanted a piece so- of him is what we get before a mm-hmm. very weird scene with the girl. Like the oh, anachronistic yeah, yeah, yeah. girl who you're like... Oh, oh yeah. So Sana comes in after he's ass kicking and his wife, or sister, friend, turns around and she says, oh, look who it is. <laughs> <laughs> like she's fucking in Emmerdale or something, you know. Um, <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, famous, famous 325 dialogue, isn't it, from AD? Like, yeah. Jesus Christ. And that's when Kirk tells us that he was beloved. He became a Saint Saint Nick, you know, not Saint Nicholas, Santa Claus, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think that's all, though. I think that's enough to um, turn Christian completely around, isn't it? Because it it's ends the with the line, it's the "Big oh, fat guy." Yeah. He, he's the Santa, Santa is the man. Yeah. You know, and they're like, "Yeah, fuck yeah, he kicks ass." You know, I wish I could kick ass. Yeah. Um, um, the yeah, fantasy like, of every sort of like I don't know repressed evangelical American is just like you know what I too would like to kill people who argued with me. And once we get to this point though, and this is where this is how our perceptions of the film change for both of us because Kirk's like time to get out of the car. You know we have to go back inside. Yeah. And you fucking lit up. You were so excited. Yeah. Whereas I was ah no because now now. The film's over and we've got 30 minutes left and there's no stories. I'm, I'm terrified now. Like, what's going to happen next? Um, and that's when I, I was saying to you, was it going to be, I was like, gag reel, I was like, musical number and another cartoon. This is my guess. This is how they're going to fill out the last 25 minutes of this fucking movie. And half right, well, close right, um, they go back inside 
and Christian overjoyed now. He's he's got the spirit of Santa. He's got the spirit of the swaddling <laughs> cloth inside him. You know, he can he can feel the trees. Yeah. He's ready to go. He um, this is his moment. Goes, yes, and he goes, so he goes up to his wife and he says, "I'm so sorry. You deserve so much better." Um, oh, I can't remember. He's, he's got something like, "I've got a present for you" or something, and. Um, his wife's like, oh, what is what's Big Papa got? No, 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 no. We've missed, we've missed, we've missed the final lesson. So he's had a heart to heart with his brother-in-law. His brother-in-law has convinced him that there is value in Christmas and there is value in life, and that maybe he should take the suicide vest off because there is meaning in life <laughs> after all. Tree. Um, and so Christian goes inside, ready to like like, I don't know, ready to follow his role model Santa and to beat down the unbelievers and to, like, share the love with the, like, the devout followers. And he opens the door wide in a sort of Aragorn from Two Towers moment. The part is still going on in full flow. And he, like, runs ready. Like, he's like, yeah, Christmas, woo! And then he sort of, like, Klinsman dives across the floor <laughs> face plant so just slides and he's lying just kind of a bit defeated and that's where Kirk comes down to him and is like you have one final lesson to learn my friend Yeah, and you need to be low enough to see it. Look up and see the uh, the presents are laid below the unfinished crucifix they make a skyline well, they're the buildings because this pissed... <laughs> I, I forgot about this because this pissed me off because yeah, you didn't like that yeah, he's, he's... Well, he's lying down. He's looking up. Kirk's explaining. Kirk's Kirk explaining to him about how the presents represent Jerusalem, present from God, I think, and how they all kind of look like buildings. If you squint your eyes, there's a little Anna um, cartoon drawing animation over it to kind of symbolise that this is meant to be buildings. And then it pans up to you know all the presents are under the tree. And then Kirk tells us that the tree is there because God puts presents under the tree. You know, like fruit and roots or whatever, tree of life. And that's bullshit. Pissed me off because you just explained to me how it was a cross, and I just seen, I just sat in a car with you for twenty minutes. How you told me it's a fucking cross and Kyle, now it's a present from God. If you're gonna, if you're gonna <sighs> get on board with these evangelicals, if you're gonna reinvent yourself as like a Bible basher, you need to be on board with the idea of like multiplicity, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, one thing being multiple things. One truth. That's there's it. one truth. There, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I believed you, Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> Um, um, and that's when he links to him speaking to his wife and yeah. um, apologising. That's and when we get the big pop-up moment, freeze frame, and Kirk Kirk's Cameron's like, voiceover. What would normally happen at this moment in a regular movie, what would happen in this moment of simmering sexual tension with a, between a man <laughs> and his four-foot-tall wife? <laughs> and he's like, they'd probably kiss, wouldn't they? Well, I got news for you. This ain't that kind of picture. <laughs> <laughs> and what did we get instead then, Jericho? What was your prediction and what was the reality? I honestly can't remember. <laughs> um, they probably say, I, I love he... God. Do you love God too? <laughs> we love God. <laughs> when it, when it, was, um, it wasn't this kind of movie, I have your response as full penetration. <laughs> um, yeah. And instead we get a fucking dance number. So I was excited. What? That was no, that's I what got... we go straight into. We go straight into the dance number. Okay. Yeah, because that's what he said. That's what he says. He's like, oh, what I have is... Um... Yeah, and then we get the <laughs> well, Bollywood that... ending where everyone dances around. But this is it. They dance around. 
looking at the, t- the you know there's 10 minutes to go as well and i'm like oh what the fuck what's gonna happen what's gonna happen it is i don't even remember it was it hark hear the angel sing i can't even remember what the fucking song was uh, um, um but it was hip-hop it was auto-tuned um they break dance uh kurt cameron does the worm i mean there's I a just... fat kid who doesn't give a shit <laughs> and his awkwardly looking around i um, i just want to say that the dancers seemed like students it was a very obvious like liberty university's dance program got brought well, in so late to do like a choreographed number at the well, end 100 percent. because i was thinking this while watching it i was like where the fuck were these 30 kids and the rest of the party they just got they wheeled in when they were like, <laughs> <laughs> while they were in the car for, <laughs> how long were we out there for um like so yeah there is a lot of kids here as well and a lot a lot of diversity as well. A lot of I'm not a racist from Kirk. You know, look how multicultural. Kind of racist like um, hip hop. I think not. But hot yeah, and hip hop. Yeah, um, one, that's one bad dude. That's where I I was like, this is the fate before on Kanye because there's just like an auto tuned voice going, uh oh, here come the angels over <laughs> and over and over, and I was like, he's already basically there. Like, uh, mm-hmm. he just needs to, like, hit rock bottom with his deranged anti-Semitic ramblings. And once he's alienated absolutely everyone and is completely bankrupt, then yeah, Kirk no, Cameron, Christ-like, will offer him the hand of friendship to be like, Kanye, I would like you to come and do one line of... Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. no. I, th- I think we're one... Next film. I think we're one Donda away from Kanye West saving Christmas. Um, I think he's just <laughs> I mean, one yeah. Twitter suspension away. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it, 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 it's it's a painful scene, but at least it does give me one of the highlights of the film is when it is over, there is an old Asian man sitting on a couch eating, drinking hot chocolate, who's just kind of like, Woo, that sure was something, wasn't it? <laughs> what a fucking ride, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Again, someone who we haven't seen at any point in the film so far. They all dance I, out, for, and he's just kind of like, ooey! <laughs> for, for a second, I thought it was a cat. I thought I was meant to recognise him. You know, this is a... What, you thought that was like James or Bong or something? Just like <laughs> <Yeah>. some <laughs> famous Chinese character called? actor. <laughs> He was. He might have been in growing pains. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But then after this as well, we get. So this is it. We've got the break dancing. We have old Asian man on a couch, and then we go to the dinner scene, which is weird. All the guests have fucked off now. It's just Kirk and his close family, I guess. Very strange. I point out because they're they're having their ice cream with their turkey, um, which is not very Christian of them, and. <laughs> um, Kirk's going on about how we should buy as much as we can. We should consume, 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 because, you know, God made himself material, so we should probably just have as much material stuff as we want, you know? Yeah. He doesn't say anything else about the Bible. You know, there's nothing else in the Bible about being rich. No, 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 no. <laughs> Everyone goes to heaven if you're rich. Yeah. God I, loves it. I was kind of checked out by this point in time, but um, that was like a final, just sort of final, like, spit in the face. Was there like... Now I know that we might have um we might have misled you with all this like preceding hour of like spiritual conversation. You might be thinking, is uh is consumerism wrong? Should I maybe be doing something like uh like spiritual and should I be should I be helping my fellow man at this time of year? Should I volunteer at a soup kitchen or should we 
should we forgo like worldly possessions and the pursuit of uh, material baubles? And Kirk Cameron's like, no, absolutely buy crap. God wants you to buy that PS5. God wants you to buy like that oh. Funko Pop of like uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Go for it. Um, yeah, well, um, you're sinning if you this don't. Is, um, this is his last act of annoyance for me. So yeah, you buy as much shit as you want. Buy the presents. Surround yourself. Pile on the hot chocolate, which fucking pissed me off because A, there's no hot chocolate in that mug and B, you can't pile hot chocolate. So fuck you, Kurt. <laughs> you lost me. You know, you had me in the palm of your hands and you've lost me. Um, but yeah, then he's like, have the best dinner because you're celebrating God. Spend time with people. Convert them if you can. See it. And then we have a gag reel. We have credits I, I, and we have a post-credit scene. I want to say there's never been a less funny gag reel. That's the fucking worst gag reel I've ever seen. It's not even flubbing lines. It's it's almost like just rehearsing. Yeah, it's, it's not just even like outtakes. It's isn't like the concept of direction beer. kind of funny? Like, ha ha ha, I'm going to... like, What if like you did a take and then I like gave you feedback to do it, but like a little bit louder? Wouldn't that be kind of funny? <laughs> isn't this so humanizing? A look at the creative process. Like, you're never going to believe like... A star like DeAndre might not have like nailed it on his first take. It's just yeah, it's not good. And then you thought you'd escaped with the um, post-credit scene because you were well. Five, five minutes to go. I was like, I'm yeah. Got to take my dog out. I've got things to do. There's nothing gonna be happening. I've seen the gag wheel. Yeah. I've seen the dance number. If you can tell me if there's a cartoon, but yeah. no, you told me I had to had to watch the last two minutes. Well, so at why was first. That? At first, I was like, it, it, it's it's a continuation of the War on Christmas thing, where it's just those two fucks talking, um, talking some more. And I was like, this? Seriously, this? You couldn't even give me a cameo? You couldn't get me, like, Kevin Sorbo as the Easter Bunny? Or you couldn't get, like, mm -hmm. uh, James Woods coming in being like, Kirk, great job saving Christmas, but, like... I have bad news for you. Like, turns out, like, uh, Good Friday is under attack. We need you. Um, <laughs> but we just get those two, like, a continuation of a not very good or funny scene. But then it kind of redeems itself when we get perhaps the worst freestyle rap in cinema credit history. Which, I don't know, I thought I'd seen that with the movie uh, Dash Cam. Do you know that one? I'm not. What's that? I have no idea. Movie Dashcam is uh, by the people who made Host, um, that pandemic horror movie. Yeah. And Dashcam is about an anti-vax conservative rapper who comes to the UK and gets killed by a demonic being. And she <laughs> does a freestyle rap where she raps all the names of the people in the credits. Like, oh, Jason Blum, did you mean come? Oh, yeah. Director, I'm going to direct you to uh, suck my nuts. Guts, oh, well, cinematographer, you... And I, I, that was so bad. I was like, pooey, this is unpleasant. But Saving Christmas gives it a run for its money, where yeah, it's not good. I, if, I mean, it's, it's possibly the worst freestyle I've ever heard in my life. The only, <laughs> only Kirk slight consideration I give... Is, um, <laughs> yeah he's not a mormon um <laughs> like um was the director you can hear say do a beatbox you know when they're rehearsing so it is put on the spot i mean if in kurt cameron came up to me right now and said beatbox and freestyle for me i don't think i'm gonna 
ship out anything better i think it's going to be <laughs> the same quality um i don't have a camera pointed in my face either well so, you do because uh, we're a webcam well i do yeah. fire it, so. i mean yes <laughs> yeah Kurt Cameron <laughs> no <laughs> um, uh, yeah um, yeah it's it's really not good DeAndre is a good b- beatboxer in, in his fairness but the oh. the other the, the rapping of I can't even remember any rhymes in his fairness there's nothing like cringeworthily bad no it's it's, it's just it's the awkwardness of yo 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 let's go yeah. this way you know we're gonna celebrate christmas every day you know? yeah exactly <laughs> every, <laughs> my name is deandre and i'm here to say that we'll be wrapped around <laughs> christmas in the coolest way um, it's just that kind of christian rap of just like inoffensive mm-hmm. and cringeworthy but not like not flat out fall on your face bad and so Thus concludes and the so film. brings us yeah. So I think we'll, we'll move a little bit a little bit quicker because I don't have as much to say here. But um, how do you fix saving Christmas, Jericho? Um, what's the smallest change you can make to save Christmas? Honestly, I don't know. Like I said, give me the film that I want, which is like the the, the biggest change you could possibly make. Of give me a fundamentally different film. But if you give me like kirk cameron is having like here's my pitch kirk cameron is having like a good family christmas and then uh like his next door neighbor mohammed moves in and is like actually kirk i'm gonna need you not to like have uh have a turkey this year because that's an offense to uh my religion (laughs) and then reverse die hard it's kind of like home alone where kirk has to like fortify the house against like the mm-hmm. the legion of infidels who are coming to take christmas away from him they're going to steal his mm-hmm. turkey they're going to burn down his tree and he has to fight them off and it's like a nice sort of like family thing where like his wife and his kids they also learn the true meaning of christmas which is killing people who think a different way to you <laughs> um so that's my that's my like i i wasn't anticipating him saving Christmas from an existential threat, like the idea of a Christian who no longer believes. I wasn't really prepared for that kind of introspective thing. I wanted more of a flashy bang, like no people are actually physically trying to to steal Christmas. So yeah, you would you would make an entirely different movie. <laughs> okay, small change. You have Joe Biden in it. You have Joe Biden you just be like, come on, man, Santa's a bad dude, man. We're talking about saying Christmas, inshallah, we're going to put the, the, the red, white, and blue, man, in the White House. We, we celebrate Christmas every day, man. I my, my fix is easy. I mean, it's a perfect film. There's not much you need to change around here. I've got five, five words for you. Go ahead. Um, Kirk Cameron in every role. Sorted. Done. Give me more Kirk. It's my biggest problem with the film. Kirk's <laughs> not in it. He His voice is in it a lot. He sits in a car, but... I was expecting him to be in these flashbacks. He'd be playing Jesus. He'd be playing Santa. He'd be playing this waddling baby. I thought, um, like, your, went... your Colin Robinson, Kirk Cameron's yeah. head <laughs> <laughs> doubled on a, on a little baby body. Every role. Kirk's sister, played by Kirk, just go nuts. It's the Kirk Cameron's insanity hour. Okay. Um, but if, if it's just a minor change, Kirk's getting cast a bit more. I'm using him more just because it's his face, it's his name. He's a selling point, and yeah, he just I'd use him more as an actor in the loosest terms possibly. I'm sold. That was what I was expecting. Hearing this was like a, a sort of like ego ego piece, and having his name mm-hmm. all over, I did expect to see a little bit more of him. 
And while I still had those expectations, I was squinting whenever we saw anyone with a big fake bushy beard or like when we saw John Wick Santa yeah. before you got the like the wide shot where you could see his physique when he was just like a grizzled face. I was like, is that Kirk Cameron under there? Is it Kirk? Yeah, yeah. But no. And you're right. That that overcomes one of the most fundamental issues with this movie is Kirk is so smug and preachy. Whereas if he was able to laugh at himself and to dress up yeah. as Santa, to dress up in drag, then like that just fun, yeah. humanizes 100%. him a little bit more and takes him off his high horse a little bit. So yeah, yeah. great great um great call. That would be that would make this film a million times better. Okay, so I'm gonna ask you because my answer is going to be immediately obvious, but do you think this was Razzie worthy? Unfortunately I agree. Yeah. It is. I mean my you know, subjectively and objectively are two different things. But objectively, this is a terrible, 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 terrible film. It's one of the worst we've ever seen. It's not the worst, but it's one it of the worst. It's absolutely. <laughs> it, it, it warrants a nomination at the very least. And yeah, I can't argue against can you, it. Can you put Sophie on for a second? I want to speak to her in private. I think we might need to have an intervention. I'm a little bit concerned about you, Kyle. <laughs> it was fun. Again, it's not the right reasons. It's a, a fun film to watch with friends. I could have a laugh with someone watching this. I'd be miserable by myself. I would it hate is... it. If someone invites me around and is like, hey, do you want to watch a Christmas movie? I'd be like, great, what's it going to be? Die Hard, Gremlins, Tangerine. <laughs> and then they put on Saving Christmas. <laughs> That friendship is over, but, baby. <laughs> but watch one. <laughs> and there's two. <laughs> Both, of course. Uh, First one. I will then say, I can only. So, my last thing on that would be I enjoyed this more than the 2017 Saving Christmas, despite the 2017 Christmas having wrestlers and fighting and yeah. weird stuff in it, um, and Ed Asner and all these bigger names. This was funnier. This was weirder. There's no shorter. bigger name than the Lord. There's no bigger <laughs> exactly. name than Jehovah. So this could be. This could. This isn't the worst saving Christmas I've seen. Um, but yeah, it's what it warrants. The Barassi. It, everything. It war. It deserves everything. It wins. To be honest. I'm glad to hear you say that. There, there is hope. Yeah, breaks my heart. Okay, so um, running through the nominations for this film, one worst picture, of course. Worst director, Darren Duan, was nominated. Kirk Cameron won for uh, playing Kirk slash himself. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which, uh, uh, as we've said, maybe not like a huge stretch of his acting abilities. This is the thing that we've kind of had before where he is much more like, like he's, he's convincing like I believe him, mm-hmm. I buy him. He every line sounds natural, and he's like an engaging human character. He's just utterly smug and repellent. Like, yeah, he's, uh... he's not charismatic um, and engaging. He's like preachy, but that kind of is like the assignment is he's doing. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. he's doing mm-hmm. the job. So he's. No one on screen would have made me as mad as him, I don't think. But, um, yeah, um, hard one to appraise. Yeah, um, I agree. And then we have, somehow, Darren has escaped nomination for Worst Supporting Actor, which is just, like, I don't know. Disgust- uh, as outrageous. He's worse than Kirk, in my opinion. Kirk's cause... smugness and everything behind aside. 
the director, Mr. Duane or whatever, is awful, awful, awful. And the fact he hasn't even got nominated is really surprising. I thought he'd be getting three for three here, director, yeah. writer, and supporting actor uh, and film as well. I thought, yeah, he'd be kind of taking a haul home. Um, that's very surprising. All the things we said about Kirk being a seasoned pro and knowing how to like read a line and sort of like work the camera... All of those things that are true for Kirk are very much not true for Darren, who absolutely, like, at the very least, a nomination. And then, worst supporting actress, Bridget Cameron Reidenauer as Kirk's sister. Let's just speak about this for one moment, actually, because I forgot to mention it, where, like, uh, Kirk says, like, listen, buddy, don't worry. We've all been there. We've all had our wavering moments of faith where we're thinking, like, oh, like... What's my wife going to, like, am I going to ruin things with my wife because of this crisis of faith? I was like, perfect. That is just speaking to the viewership of this film perfectly, which is male. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. it, oh, no, that's, he's um, like, am I going to be able to satisfy my wife or something is, like, the question. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> we've all been there wondering. Left, um, le- leaving my wife frustrated or something, yeah. I think it was. Um, yeah, we're all going to yeah. be there. I, I, I need to pipe up here a little bit, though, because... Did she win or was she nominated? Sorry. She was just nominated. All right. Because um, so what was her name? Sorry. Uh, Bridget Cameron Ridenauer. So she was. She is Kirk Cameron's real sister then, right? No, the, the role um, just says Kirk's sister. Right. No, hold on. Um, hold on. I'm, I'm frantically Googling, so you're going to have to... Well, I can fill time because that's what I was saying. Is like women are just such an afterthought in Saving Christmas that they don't even get their own names. They're just like, eh, Kirk's sister. Eh, Christian's wife. Yes, it is her real sister. It's his real sister, but it's identifying her as well. That's what she's known for. That's her first thing she comes up as. <laughs> yeah. This is Kurt Cameron's sister. Yeah. Um. I wanted. To, I, I. That surprised me. If you didn't say that name out loud, it's cause I did not assume that was his real sister. Oh, it didn't. You twig know, Cameron, the middle it, name. Yeah. yeah. It didn't, it, yeah. I was just like, oh, like, no, like I just didn't click because they do not look <laughs> remotely similar. Like I know brother sisters can be very different. But, but no, he's um, very like photogenic. He has that sort of Neil Patrick Harris thing going on. He's like a regular height, and she is like four foot and like not particularly attractive. She she's just she's just normal, I guess. But it's the fact is obviously when you're looking at his plugs and his plastic surgery and his tan and everything, yeah. and here's a normal human being that's just she looks about thirty years older than him. It's, it is. <laughs> I never would have guessed it was actual relation. Um, but she didn't win, though, you said, sorry. No, that was just a nomination. Um, okay, very surprising. And then we get on to, uh, this is where it cleans up. Worst screen combo, Kirk Cameron and his ego in Saving Christmas. Okay. Um, uh, I disagree because I hate, you know, you know how much I hate these fake <laughs> things. But yeah, I mean, you could have put Kirk Cameron and Darren Duane there and that would have been a better combo. Um, yeah, exactly. Have, the occupants Kurt of Cameron Darren's car and his real life sister, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the Cameron siblings, like they would have done just fine for me. Um, but I understand it. And then we have the winner: worst screenplay, Saving Christmas, Darren Duane and Cheston Hervey. Okay, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna surprise myself here. I don't entirely know about this because, like. If you're setting yourself the task of writing a Christmas Christian a Christian Christmas movie that has to weave in all these things, I actually think it kind of did okay with what it was. It's an impossible task 
like the yeah ending in a big musical number isn't great but just the structure of like we're gonna go through like the like the, we're gonna have like a little like episode about santa being a badass and we're gonna have like this little thing i don't know i think the screenplay was maybe one of the better things it just well, struggled from having like an insufferable like i'm 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 very surprised there's two writers um yeah because I didn't, I didn't think there was a screenplay. I felt this is very loose. Yeah. Um. You, you've seen this one at the end with like the gag reel. There is just a lot of like let's just fuck about. Let's just ad lib some jokes and <laughs> like the this the coffee scene we were talking about. And none of that was in a script. I'm I'm pretty sure that that was just sprout shit. You know, like you've done to me. Just spout yeah. things to say this off, and we'll use the best take. I think a lot. The only parts that might have been scripted, obviously, were the Kurt Cameron stories. But they were somewhere else with maybe a different director or yeah. someone else was doing them. Kirk was nowhere near them. Um, so I, I don't, I'm surprised there's two writers because it just didn't feel like there was anything. You know, is Worst adapted screenplay, Darren Duane based on the Old Testament. Yeah, the novel. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is one I've read for a change. <laughs> but yeah, um, does deserve it deserves every award, to be honest. You, you know, you, I can't really argue it taking every single Razzie home. Yeah. Um, but I still oh. liked it. <laughs> <laughs> so join us when we return and we will go through the rest of the nominees and winners from the 35th Golden Raspberry Awards in 2014. See you soon. Welcome Hello. back to the second half of Watching Worst Films, where we will be going over the other uh, Razzie winners for the year of 2014. Yeah. So the uh, the losers, the losing losers from Worst Picture, we had Transformers Age of Extinction. Um, remind me again which one that is. Have I seen it? Is it what number is it? Dinosaurs, Marky Mark's first oh, no. one. So I think no, it's no, no. four, maybe. But yeah, so I've got no comment. I've only seen one and three, I think. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen it. So um, all we can really do is shout out Mr. Razzie for spreading the love and for not making us watch another Transformers film. Yeah. Because that would have been rough. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been worse. That would have been much worse. I mean, it would have been a better movie, I guess. But I would have... No, 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 no. Thank you very much. <laughs> Um, and then from one Michael Bay production to another, we have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Have you seen that? Is that live action or the 3D one? Uh, it's live action. No, that, no, I have not. I've seen the 3D reboot one, I think it was in the early 2010s, 2000s, okay. I can't remember. But no, I haven't seen this one. Again, this isn't 1994, so I'm going to be quite rough <laughs> here. I, I also haven't seen it. I, You know me, I'm a sucker for the Ninja Turtles. But I don't, I don't like how they look in that one. They don't look like fun teens that I'd want to hang out with, which seems weird to say as a thirty-year-old <laughs> man. But like when I was uh, a child, that was like you wanted to be friends with the turtles, whereas yeah. these ones seem like jerks, not relatable, no interest. And then we have the Legend of Hercules. Okay, so, is this the the Rock one or the no? Rennie this Harlan is Kellen one? Lutz. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay. Um, no, I haven't seen this. I actually haven't seen either, so I don't know why I said that. But um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I only know one of them had the rock, and one of them was directed by uh, Rennie Harlan, and that's it. That's yeah. the only. That's all I know. And then we have Left Behind. Oh, which is nice. Which is a nice little bit of a 
coincidence, isn't it? Yeah, nice yeah. symmetry. Um, I have seen the original first Left Behind with Kurt Cameron. I haven't seen any of the sequels, and I've not seen this is a Nicolas Cage one, I think. This is the Nicolas uh, Cage one. This yeah. is the Nicolas Cage one. Yeah, I haven't seen this one. But I, I like the symmetry. An extremely weird cast. It has Chad Michael Murray, Leah Thompson, Jordan Sparks, um, and Nicolas Cage. And another piece of trivia, everything comes full circle. Apparently, a sequel to This Left Behind is in production and is meant to be out this year, starring Mr. Kevin Sorbo. Oh, yeah. I was I was semi-hoping you were going to say The Return of Kirk, but I'll take a Kevin, <laughs> I'll take a Kevin. Um, so, for is, is this the first time where we've only seen the winner? Yeah, I think so. Between the two of us, anyway. Um, yeah, we can yeah. normally rack up at least one. Yeah. Um, well, worst director. Okay, Seth MacFarlane for A Million Ways to Die in the West. Okay, so I have seen this one. Have you seen it? I have, yeah. Yeah, um, I hate it, right, for the record. I, yeah. I only watched this film before um, Jamie Foxx's Django. Um, yeah. Because I... Oh, I forgot you told me. Yeah. yeah technically, <laughs> it turns it into a Django film. So I was like, okay, I'll watch it. I've got to see this. And I didn't know his cameo was right at the fucking end. So I had to watch yeah. the whole thing. I had watched Sarah Silverman as the um, prostitute that's saving herself from marriage. I had to go through Christopher Lloyd's cameo. I had to go through all this shit to get to what I wanted to see. However, I don't think it was the worst directed film I've ever seen. Um yeah. So as much as I'm not a Seth MacFarlane fan in any way, I don't think he's the worst director. I don't think this film is worst director. Yeah, that's a good point. I I was in full favor of it, but you've kind of talked me around effortlessly. I I also I I really don't like Seth MacFarlane, mm-hmm. but I think this was a competent execution yeah. of just a style of comedy I don't care for. Absolutely, um, worst screenplay, hundred percent. But direction, no, no, no. Yeah. Then we have uh, Jonathan Liebsman for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Not seen. Rennie Harlan for The Legend of Hercules. I, I, I mean, Rennie Harlan directed Die Hard 2 and Cliffhanger, so he can do no wrong <laughs> in my eyes. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna. I'm glad he didn't win. Uh, Darren Duane for Saving Christmas. So uh, he's very lucky to escape a win. And yes. I'm just gonna say there's some symmetry with my man John Asher. John Asher has kind of become the in-house director for some 41, whereas Darren <laughs> Duane apparently got his start directing Blink-182 music videos. Oh, okay. Well, so that does all come together. And Nut behaviour befitting a good Christian man, I would say. It's, it's before he found Kurt Cameron slash Jesus in his life. Um, <laughs> I, imagine, I imagine this is earlier Blink than 2014 Blink. So, yeah. Um, if he goes, if he does a John Asher and then goes back to doing Blink One Eighty Two, or if Blink One Eighty Two are in one of his films shoehorned in, then the symmetry is more complete. What if he tries to make Blink One Eighty Two Christian? Then you if take my money right now. <laughs> <laughs> that's what, that's the what I want to see. And then the winner, Michael Bay for Transformers: Age of Extinction. Which maybe you can remind me is this his second Razzie or at least second? He won for yeah uh, yeah. The other Transformers, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I can't imagine it being worse than Darren Duane. Um, I, I know it's going to be I know it's going to be awful and I would hate Transformers. But again, if you're actually going for direction, as we've seen, I mean, Michael Bay can at least have some sort of knowledge of directing. 
from the post-credit scenes and stuff from Saving Christmas, Darren Duane doesn't. I'm surprised he it's, didn't win this. It's kind of the Seth MacFarlane thing. As much as I may not like what Michael Bay is doing, he knows he's doing it. Like he's going for that sensory overload barrage of, again, since Ambulance, I'm kind of... I've kind of done a 180 on Michael Bay where I'm like, yeah, you know what? He's doing his thing, so good for him. But yeah. I I think Michael Bay could Michael Bay could direct Saving Christmas, but Darren Duane couldn't direct Age 100%. 100%. Worst actor, Adam Sandman Sandler in Blended as Jim Friedman. Have you seen Blended? It's no, it's so we're, we're in my dark ages of Sandman. Um <laughs> The Netflix years. The Netflix years, but yeah, basically. Um, this is the f- spiritual sequel to Fifty First Dates, isn't it? Reuniting. This is um, one of his. Uh, yeah, Barry Moore ones, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, no interest. You couldn't see. This is the problem when there were so many of these time. I think another one would Jen- uh, go just go with it. I think that's Jennifer Aniston. Must oh, be around this Christ, time as well. Yeah, yeah. I always got those two confused. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly like you could tell me. You could show me a clip from either of those films, and I wouldn't be able to tell them apart. Probably. Yeah, I I, I put off watching Blended because I think I thought of it as more of a just go with it, where Sandman's mm. kind of reined in. Whereas it is a Happy Madison production. And okay. It is. It has more of that sort of like goofy Sandman esque sensibility that we know and love. Mm-hmm. it's probably better than his goofing around with the bros ones like i like okay. it more than i like ridiculous six and uh grown-ups and so on um it uh like it, it it's also uh lauren lapkus of wrong missy fame it's her okay. entry into the sand sandiverse and like it has one of the um one of the weirdest scenes i've seen um this is the one where Bella Thorne plays Adam Sandler's daughter. And there's a scene where she's uh, stuffing her bra with shoe uh, shoe insoles. And yeah. Adam Sandler opens the door while she's doing it. And she takes them out and throws them onto the mirror where they stick on the mirror. And she screams and Sandler sees them and screams. And the way they're framed in the shot it's um a bit like the Tom Cruise peanut butter thing, but okay. um from War of the Worlds. But it's just like the cut to these inserts sticking to the mirror. It's so weird. It's almost like they're on like a string or something. Just they just get magnetically <laughs> yeah. pulled. It's such a weird p- piece of direction. It's like you're watching Plan Nine or something. Where I'm like, <laughs> oh, this isn't good. And I just want to say, my man John Asher, he would have he would have nailed. He would have nailed this. Um, since it was a Happy Madison production, was there any SNL hangers on, any of his crew, anybody pop up, or is this beyond that time period? You'll need to um, you'll need to bring up the the cast list because I wouldn't be able to tell you. Right. None of the heavy hitters are there. Like Spade's not there. Like Schneider's not there. Like um, Again, like um, uh, Chris Parnell's okay. not there. Yeah. There are definitely <laughs> so lots I'm... of familiar faces, but. Okay, so I've just looked up. This is just for my um, personal interest, I guess. Just the, the hangers on. The only SNL alumni is Kevin Nealon. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, that's it. And then we have Seth MacFarlane in A Million Ways to Die in the West as Albert Stark. This I yeah. won't argue with. He's, no, he's I'm not, not of good screen presence. He is not a leading man in the very fucking least. He's um, 
yeah, he's not got a good. He's too similar to real Seth MacFarlane. He yeah. um he's he's too not smug very and good. Self aware. Yeah, that's it. He's too self aware. He's not, he's too close to himself, existing in a movie. You know, almost fourth wall breaking. Yeah. Um, yeah, like he's a great voice actor. Yeah, um, yeah, good but singer. He's not, you know, I don't know. Maybe someone can get. Maybe someone could get him a good dramatic performance out of him yeah, as like a character 100%. actor, but as a comedy leading man, he's too wink wink nudge nudge. Yeah. It's um, all, um it reminds me of uh, the Jimmy Fallon's run, you know, his short Hollywood. Yeah. It's just you are not cut you you know, do other things. If Seth McFarlane be a wonderful talk show host, he's great at you know, whatever other things, even though I don't like him, he is talented. He is not a leading yeah. man though. Like that's fair. Then we have Kellen Lutz in The Legend of Hercules as Hercules Alcides. Um, no, no thoughts. Um, no. <laughs> Nicholas Cage in Left Behind as Rayford Steele. And then, of course, the winner, our beloved Kirk Cameron in Saving yeah. Christmas. Well, then, moving on to Worst Actress, we have Gaia Weiss in The Legend of Hercules as Hebe. Charlize Theron in A Million Ways to Die in the West as Anna Barnes Leatherwood. Uh, I um, didn't. I didn't hate her in it. If I'm going to be honest, um, no. I, I I actually again, it's like the director, the direction, and probably um, Theron are the two that I would let off with. I I think she's having yeah. fun as well, which is nice. Um, yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I actually, I, I really don't mind her in this film. I think she's one of the bright sparks. So yeah, no, I'm okay with that. Yeah, uh, she shouldn't be here. Slim pickings at the Razzies this year. I feel like if she's 100%. getting nominees, um, like, like you getting nominations, like you said, um, I, I, I respect her for, for taking it. I don't like the film. I don't like Seth MacFarlane. Hundred percent. Um, yeah. It, you couldn't see a lot of actresses doing that. But what I like about Charlize Theron is she will do, um things like this and the long shot she will kind of do yeah. comedies and be very good on them generally yeah yeah she um, is again yeah definitely doesn't yeah. deserve to be here um melissa mccarthy in tammy as tammy yeah. banks so i i'm not a mccarthy fan i think you know that but i don't know if i've made it vocal on the podcast but i have not seen tammy and so i don't really have a comment i haven't seen tammy either this was in that sort of like immediate post-bridemaids years yeah. where um i like her in uh can you ever forgive me and i like her in saint jude and oh she's yeah yeah uh i like i i i i think she has uh i think she's she's a good actor but i i was very uninterested in just seeing her play i'm a fat lady who's lewd yeah. i'm like well, a, i was that's my point the yeah. female zach galifianakis nothing yeah, against years. nothing against her at all it's an actual actor um she's in good stuff she's a, she seems like a really lovable nice person too but her leading role films which is you know she's got that one with sandra bullock and stuff as well around this time the heat yeah yeah that's the one there's this oversaturation and they're none of them are funny and it's just that way like you say it's the wave of bridesmaids um yeah kind of carrying her over and then we have drew barrymore in blended so I didn't really say, I don't think Sandman is deserving of a nomination for Blended. I don't think Drew is as good as him um, in this. But um, yeah, she's she's maybe deserving. It's yeah, probably I just mean, because Sandman's, Sandman's lows are so low that I'm like, this isn't the worst I've ever seen him be. Therefore, yeah. he's not deserving. Um, I am. Whereas, yeah. I'm a fan of Drew Barrymore. I like her in things. Um I don't think she's good in 50 first dates. So I'm imagining 50 first dates 15 years later. 
and yeah. I just I can't imagine it being any better. Her performance, I mean, um, like I I just expect it to be a phoned in Drew Barrymore on holiday. Yeah, that it is. Yeah, and the winner. <laughs> Cameron Diaz in The Other Woman and Sex Tape as Carly Whitson and Annie Hargrove. Have you seen either of those? No. Um, no, I haven't. Have um, you? So, The Other Woman, I saw the trailer for that a million and one times. I feel like I must have been going to Disney World a lot, but I just remember seeing the trailer. So that's the one with Jamie Lannister, Kate Upton, and I want to say, is it Leslie Mann who's The Other Woman? Or Judd okay. Apatow's? wife yeah um, is leslie <laughs> manjan up this wife yeah, um, yeah 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 um so anyway i i've seen the trailer and that looks like a truly horrendous movie um sex tape isn't good sex tape is so so cringe i don't want to say she's bad teacher probably came out around about this time period yeah and she she stunk to high heaven in bad teacher yeah that's what whereas sex tape i think she's not quite as bad but she's certainly i was gonna good. i was gonna ask that because this is the second um diaz jason siegel um partnership um i did see bad teacher i actually went to see that in the cinema and um <laughs> oh i don't know why i can't remember why but cameron diaz and that shocked me i mean i was uh, it's going off topic but I, this is the first time i noticed sort of her change in face as well um yeah and i was just terrified if i'm being honest she was she couldn't emote <laughs> because she could she couldn't emote like it was it was it was strange. I can't imagine she was any better in this. I, I like her too. I'm not having a go. It's just you're just having don't. a go at women for aging, aren't you, Kyle? No, just don't. <laughs> no, just just don't inject yourself. Piazzadora, you know, do it right. Um. <laughs> okay, moving on. We're supporting actor Kiefer Sutherland in Pompeii as Senator Quintus Attius Corvus. <laughs> no, I haven't seen Pompeii. Have you? No. Arnold Schwarzenegger in The Expendables 3 as Trench Bowser. Um, no, how on earth do you... How on earth does Stallone escape nomination and yet Arnie gets... No. Um, no, no, yeah. no. I'm not have you seen, that. Have you seen Expendables 3? Yeah. Yeah, um, okay. So, because I have as well. I mean, obviously, I fucking have. Um, I think there is much... Because like, obviously, it's such a big ensemble. Arnie is barely in it enough yeah well um, I, no hang on i think i can't quite remember i felt like two he was hardly two, in two's, yeah and, but, but you're still sh- uh, yeah he's got a bigger role in three yeah two's in it for a cameo but you're yeah. still you know it's still stallone statham lundgren um who else is in this one uh terry cruz i can't remember the rest of the people off the top of my head but um there is worse people in here than arnie and just I've quickly got it up here. Stallone for a start. Well, he's a lead. He wouldn't be supporting. My worst supporting, I forgot he was in it, is uh, Robert Davi, director of My Son Hunter. Um, is he in it? He, he's, the, he's, the, he's one of the main villains in it. He's awful. Uh, I know it's not worst supporting <laughs> actor, but like um, Randy Couture, the MMA fighter, just like Ronda Rousey, like the MMA fighters are really bad in it. And yeah. um, even looking up here, I remember Harrison Ford doesn't give a fuck here. And his oh, cameo. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. So like, I'd forgotten he was in it, and that that was a real dark moment for that me. Was a... like, who realized that a movie with RNA and Harrison Ford could leave me feeling as empty as this did? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah so I would love to be able to laugh at you and take one nil Stallone it a little bit, or 
one three at Stallone. Um, but no, three. This is, this come is, on. <laughs> this is a. Uh, this is bad. This is this isn't. This is a weird dunk from Mr. Razi. Um, and yeah, no, doesn't deserve it. Now that you've mentioned Harrison Ford being in this, um, it's kind of coming back, and uh, yeah, it, it, it's kind of coming back. And I remember, like, uh, like this, this almost missed out for more nominations, like best picture, worst picture, mm-hmm, rather, I would mm-hmm. say, because I remember one was whatever, two was like a little bit of like, oh, oh, like I, I think I enjoyed two more because Arnie's a two, tiny bit. No, well, like, I, I, so I agree with you. I, I would not. I don't want to throw Stallone under anything. Three should be nominated. Fun. The first one is good fun, just for the novelty and eighties action hero getting together yeah. it's silly it's got some good fun in it the second one i really enjoy it's the one with um jean-claude van damme as the villain exactly and it, it, yeah. it turns everything up it's got more cameos arnie coming in for just for enough just for enough wink and nod hanging out with stallone yeah everything was like perfectly balanced the third one is when that tips over and we get into this fucking ridiculous stupid yeah i, I don't like three at all and um i'm very surprised it's not popped up more in this norm especially when there's such slim pickings you know um yeah yeah that surprises me absolutely um then we have shaquille o'neal in blended as doug so shaquille o'neal isn't bad in blended i think it's just the fact that he is shaquille o'neal which attracts attention well yeah you're not, is... he's he's because shaquille shaq's a you know obviously he's a very charismatic man he's got um yeah he's very likable and you can use him very effective. He's not an actor, of course. He's not. He's fucking yeah, no. Shaquille O'Neal. But Sandler um, gives him like wild stuff to do, and he's having yeah. fun because he's clearly just loving hanging out with like basketball player. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah exactly. So like, that's a, that's he, a weird one for me. Yeah, particularly when you have Terry Crews in Blended, and I think Terry Crews is actually bad. And yeah. there are a bunch of other like sort of Sandler entourage. Not any of the big hitters like Nick Swardson, like people who are like, oh, I recognize their face. And they're kind of actively bad, whereas Shaq's fun. I like Shaq. That's exactly it. And you you just brought up there, Terry Crews was in Blended and Expendables 3, so you could have double nominated him as well, you know. True. Uh, And and no one would have probably argued it was undeserved, so. No. Yeah, agreed. Um, And then we have Mel Gibson in The Expendables 3 as Conrad Stonebanks, Victor Menz. Yeah, I, again, I disagree. I think Mel's not what I'd be I think these are poor choices. Um, if you're again, if you're going through Expendables three, there's a lot of such a big cast. There's so many supporting people you could pick. Mel has fun, and um, yeah, I get it. I do understand it. It's not a good performance, but I don't know. I think it's a bit harsh. I agree. Just looking at the performance, it isn't bad. You just have to factor in that he's being bogged down with being an anti-Semite and a like abusive partner. That that the moral the moral uh, weight around his neck is what is dragging him down into oh, Razzie yeah. nomination. I think, and he deserves he deserves he deserves a Razzie. Is... He deserves a Razzie for you know least morals, but you know that's not yeah. category this year. So no, he doesn't deserve it. And then winner. Worst supporting actor goes to Kelsey Grammer, Big Breath, in The Expendables 3, Legends of Oz, Doris's Return, Think Like a Man 2, and Transformers Age of Extinction as Bonaparte, Tin Man, Lee Fox, and Harold Attinger. Jesus. Which, this is really just man in most amount of films, I think. Yeah, I mean, so I'm already getting suspicious because, you know, Legends of Oz, Dorothy's Return, I've not even heard about. 
<laughs> and it's not nominated anywhere else. So this is obviously just a double down on Kelsey. It's a voice performance yeah. as well, you said, was it? Yeah. Um, yeah, no, get, get a grip of yourself. Um, and yeah, like, no, I, I, <laughs> I haven't seen Transformers Age of Extinction. Maybe he's awful and awful in that, but... The fact Kelsey swept all these awards and Darren Duane has not even been nominated. This is this is a very wrong uh, category. Yeah, well, I'm just going to say one thing for you, which is that uh, Belushi is in uh, Legends of Oz. I, I at first I thought that um I at first I thought that Kelsey Grammer is probably a voice in Transformers: Age of Extinction, but Harold Attinger sounds yeah. like a human name, so uh, I guess he was a person. So I've only actually seen one of those, and he doesn't stick in the memory for Expendables. So no, he yeah, doesn't. it's just how dare this man have the temerity to collect four paychecks over one year? And then moving on to worst supporting actress, we have Susan Sarandon in Tammy as Pearl Bolson. Well, I haven't seen Tammy, but I'm going to stand up for Susan Sarandon just because she is a Bernie brouette, and is she ever really that bad? She just turns up and does Susan Sarandon. Yeah. She's I, probably fine. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then we have uh, Kirk Cameron's sister as Kirk Cameron's sister. <laughs> Nicola Peltz in Transformers Age of Extinction as Tessa Yeager. Cameron Diaz in Annie as Colleen Hannigan. So Annie was this year. This was her retirement from acting year. Wow. Okay. Um, I mean, she's sweeping it up this year, isn't she? Um. Yeah, no, I, I haven't seen Arnie. Um, not the new one anyway, and no no need to. <laughs> my uh, my favourite thing about Annie was that, um, so Annie apparently started life as a vehicle for Will Smith's kid, because he, you know, by that point he had his, like, ambitions on, like, it's not enough for me to be, like, an insufferable mm-hmm. Hollywood megastar. I need to make my kids into... Uh, into um insufferable hollywood megastars mm-hmm. and so his way of doing that was to make remakes of classic hollywood films so that's why we got the karate kid as a jaden smith vehicle yeah and then he got uh the rights to annie and was launching that as a vehicle for willow smith and then at some point in pre-production willow smith was like you know what i don't think i really want to do this <laughs> and so the wheels were in motion and the studio was then like crap we have uh Annie built around a little black girl and no little black girl who wants to be in it. What are we going to do? And they scrambled and thankfully for them, this was just around about the time that Beasts of the Southern Wild had come oh, out. Oh, yeah, yeah. So they had Academy Award nominee, Covenzine Wallace, um, which, I don't know, I feel like this was the one time in Hollywood history when there were two black girls under the age of 10 who could, in theory... Like, in theory, lead an Annie remake. But uh, they struck it lucky, and that's the only thing I know about the Annie remake. Um, Then we have the winner, Megan Fox, for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as April O'Neil. Well, yeah, at this point, if she's not in the Transformers, she's going to win, you know, for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, At this point, Razzies are going to pick her no matter what. I don't know if it's any worse. It could be the worst performance ever. I don't think it's worse than Kurt Cameron's sister. It's Kurt Cameron's sister. I would very much doubt it. We've seen what Megan's capable of in uh, in Transformers, and I imagine she's probably doing a very similar thing. I think I know. I think nerds got annoyed because she wasn't Ginger or she wasn't like their fantasy of April O'Neil. Yeah, well, like um, they can. 
the, the turtles aren't real either. Like, fuck off. No, yeah, no, fuck <laughs> off. I'm okay with that. I'm like, get a grip. Worst screen combo. Seth MacFarlane and Charlize Theron in A Million Ways to Die in the West. Um, I don't, and this is quite recently I've seen this film, they don't have um, the greatest chemistry at all. No. But they're not the worst screen combo. Um, no. Not at all. Like, yeah, I, I, that's a strange one. Again, um, I don't think Charlize should be nominated for anything from this for this film. So, yeah, no. Kellen Lutz and either his abs, his pecs, or his glutes in The Legend of Hercules. <sighs> really don't want to give that one the time of day because it's just... No, it's, a, it's a fake... Muscle man no. has muscles. Yeah. You've nominated him for actor, that's enough. Cameron Diaz and Jason Segal in Sex Tape. Ding, ding, ding. They are actually, yeah. like, they're actually bad. Yeah, because again, I can only judge that from bad teacher. They have no chemistry in that. They, they're no, 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 no. There's no way. There's unless they developed it in the year between. No way. Any two robots, actors, or robotic actors in Transformers: Age of Extinction. Um, I mean, I'm sure that's basically the same. Like, it, it's a slightly funnier wording with the robotic actors, but I'm pretty sure he did the exact same. Yeah, thing he in did. 2009. It wasn't funny then, and it still isn't no. funny now. And then worst screen combo, Kirk Cameron and his ego in Saving Christmas. As he said, Kirk Cameron and Christian, much better um, candidate. Yeah. Christian and his wife. Um, <laughs> the, the, Kirk uh, and his sister, you know. Like, the list Christmas and the Christ which has been removed from it. <laughs> Trees and crucifixes. Um, that would have been a better title than Saving Christmas, actually. Worst pre-make, remake, rip-off or sequel... Transformers, Age of Extinction, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Legend of Hercules. Interesting one here, Atlas Shrugged Part 3, Who is John Galt? Which, is this a actual if memory part serves. Uh, yeah, if memory serves, I think this was a big conservative production. Well, like, the first obviously, one was, wasn't it? Anyone who, yeah, obviously anyone who makes an adaptation of Atlas Shrugged is probably going to be somewhat conservative. But I'm sure this was like, Shapiro or like uh, Bill O'Reilly or like someone was involved with this. Yeah. And for it to escape, I guess this was pre-2016, so Mr. Razzi perhaps hadn't realised that his uh, awards ceremony for bad movies needs to be a political platform, but I feel like in a, in later years that would have picked up a lot more nominations. I am so surprised this is not picked up at, at all. It's obviously because he hasn't watched it. And he's just <laughs> saying it, you know. So you can't, you can't, you can't comment on it. But like, it's only in this category because it's the, the third one, and the first two are. I think it's got a different cast as well. Uh, I totally forgot that there was three of these. I didn't. I for some reason forgot they made a full trilogy. This would have been worse than Expandables Three, Blended, Transformers. Like, I'm very surprised this isn't here. And then, unfortunately, I have blown my only anecdote when it would fit much better here, but I have nothing else to say other than Annie has won. <laughs> and then we have Worst Screenplay. So, uh, here we go. Transformers Age of Extinction, screenplay by Erin Kruger, based on Hasbro's Transformer toys. Slightly surprised that there's only one writer for that. Very surprised. Um, and your beloved Kirchie and... Uh, or, the, or sorry, your beloved Archie and Kurtzman, they're out of the picture by this point. <laughs> They've got designs on ruining Star Trek and breaking Kyle's heart. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, this is more like it. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, a screenplay by Josh Applebaum, Andre Nemec, and Evan Doherty, based on the characters created by Peter Laird and Kevin Eastman. 
Sex Tape, screenplay by Kate Angelo, Jason Segal, and Nicholas Stoller, story by Kate Angelo. Yeah, just like, if your movie depends on the cloud and things being uploaded to the cloud, and also (laughs) you buying all of your friends and family iPads so that your sex tape gets delivered to it. No, there's just such such a terrible starting point. How yeah. do you redeem that movie? No, uh, that that's that 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 that's entirely deserved. Uh, <laughs> Left Behind screenplay by Paul Lafont, Paul Lalonde, and John Pattis, based on the novel by Tim LaHaye and Jeremy Jenkins. And then, of course, Saving Christmas, written by Darren Duan and Cheston Hervey. We've said all that remains I'm- to be said. We sure have, and is that us? Well, we're we're missing we're missing uh, original song once again. Oh, yeah, of course, this so. was I'm a heart. year. This was a year in which there could have been an actual original song because Blended has a title song, Blended, sung by Terry Crews, where he's like, "Oh, they're blending." <laughs> like he's, <laughs> we could have he had serenades the... Drew Barrymore and Adam Sandler with their blending. Terry Crews nomination. We've got the rap from the end of Saving Christmas. Um, yeah. True. This could have been a good year yeah. for worst original song. Every year's a good year for worst original song. <laughs> <laughs> but instead, we have the Razzie Redeemer Award. Okay. So, okay. Kristen Stewart from Razzie winner for Twilight to the art house hit Camp X Ray. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Kristen Stewart is great, and I don't think like I, I Twilight is the exception to her career rather than the norm. Yeah. It is at this point now, yeah. Maybe in 2014 it wasn't quite there yet. Even then, like, Panic Room and, like, she... I don't know. I think she, like, the only things... Oh, Snow White and the Huntsman, maybe. Yeah, I something. I Snow White good. and the Huntsman is worse than Twilight, if I'm honest with you. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. Keanu Reeves from six-time Razzie nominee to critical hit John Wick. I, I will say, if you're only a Razzie nominee, you can't really be redeemed. I'd... Uh, yeah, I think you need to. I need you need to be winners. Yeah, I I would agree. the The beginning of the Keanu redemption arc here with yeah. John Wick and us all, of course, yeah. mad about Keanu. And here you go, Mike Myers from Razzie winner for the Love Guru to documentary director of Supermensch, the Legend of Shep Gordon. Gordon, yeah. I don't really agree with this because, like, while he's more valid in terms of he hit a proper Razzie low of winning one. And also being like the creative voice behind the entirety of the Love Guru, directing a documentary isn't enough to redeem you. That's just like well, a completely different thing. Yeah, and like, it's it's one of these weird things that, again, I would expect multiple winners, or you know, you know, the Stallone Redemption one made sense for um, Creed, but yeah, I mean. The Love Guru is a low, low, low point in Mike Myers, but it's not like he, he's got six Love Gurus. You know, it's not like he's winning year in, year <laughs> out. It, it's a film that literally ended his fucking career. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. I don't think you're, I agree with you. I don't think a documentary pulls you out of it. I don't think he necessarily needed to be redeemed at this point. Um, I, I don't think he has the same kind of stink on him that like Eddie Murphy did, for example, or... Um, yeah. Even the Sandman had more of a stink on him from like '06 to 2016. Um, yeah, no, I, I I disagree with this one. Jennifer Aniston from four-time Razzie nominee to Golden Globe, SAG, and Critics' Choice Award nominee for Cake. Okay, um, here's my controversial opinion. Cake's not that good. Everyone went wild about Cake at the time. 
and cake kind of seems like a parody like i think because everyone was just so starved of like or not so starved so hungry for comeback <laughs> narratives the reconnaissance and just like hey yeah who the thunk it here's vince vaughn and true detective season two cake cake to me just seemed like a parody version of that where she's doing a dramatic role and it's something that we haven't exactly seen from her and wouldn't necessarily associate with her but it's just very average like yeah. it's not it's not amazing enough to deserve this kind of I, i've never claim. even heard of it you know um, no kurt cameron in it so what's, what's in it for me yeah no i have no idea i i i also would say i agree with you on the fact that she's never followed up with anything after it it's like yeah. you've got you can't just slightly redeem yourself you'd have to you know consistent like Keanu reeves that you <laughs> yeah, have to turnaround. christian yeah yeah reeves and christian stewart make sense and i agree with them but you can't just have one little no i disagree and then the winner goes to Ben Affleck from Razzie winner for Gigli to Oscar Darling for Argo and Gone Girl. Argo, fuck yourself, Mr. Razzie. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess, I guess it should redeem him for his friendship with Kevin Smith. That's what he really needs redemption for. Um, but I don't know. How do you feel about this? Um, so I've, I've seen both of them. Um, Gone Girl not being one of my highest like Fincher films either. Um, I don't know. I don't think he was redeemed in my eyes. Um, I didn't. I didn't look at him any differently. I've always looked at Ben Affleck the same way. I think also post this time, twenty fourteen, the slide's going to continue back. You know, I don't know. Um, I don't think it's. The, I don't think it's the same as Stallone doing Creed or something like that. Like and then carrying on with you know a, a little redemption arc. This is just. No, I, I don't think he was redeemed. Uh, Batman's too close to me. Um, <laughs> you, you know, um, yeah. What about you? Yeah, so Ben Affleck's a tough one, and it's maybe best uh, summarised by himself, which Ben Affleck, yeah, he's been in stinkers, and he's done very good things, but it's not as if they've been, like, like too sort of intermingled for me. I guess. Well, they have been intermingled. Like he hasn't had like a bad phase where he's necessarily needed redemption, I don't think. And so um, he summarizes this best with his back tattoo with uh, <laughs> the, the phoenix rising from the ashes where he was like, you know what? Like I was like in the 2000s, everyone hated me and I was an alcoholic and I was a daredevil, which stunk. Whereas now look at me. I've got divorced from my wife and I'm Batman and things are great. And he's ignoring a key part of the Phoenix mythos is, yeah, it rises from the ashes, but then it also returns to the ashes. Yeah. And that's kind of Ben Affleck is like, yeah, you're on a high now with Gone Girl and uh, Argo, but in a few <laughs> years you're going to be sucked into the Snyderverse. So don't get too cocky, my friend, because it's only downhill from here. Yeah, well, I mean, that's that I agree with that. I also like... So I was trying to say with that, I don't know sometimes the problem with Affleck for me is if it's the film choices he's in, because I don't yeah. give a fuck about Pearl Harbor, I don't give a fuck about his Batman, I don't give a fuck about uh, half this his Kevin Smith stuff as well for the most part. Um, <laughs> so yeah, there is the odd film like Argo and things, um, and I, I, I understand it, but I just, maybe I'm not sure if I'm his biggest fan in general, um, and it could just be the choices of the films. Might not be, I'm not sure. But again, I agree with you. It's, I don't think he's deserving of this award. 
And that concludes another episode of Watching Worse Films as we wave goodbye to 2014 and the cinematic horrors within. If you enjoyed this episode, then please leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice. Help more people find the show. You can find us at Watching Worst on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, etc. If you want to email us, you can reach us at watchingworstfilms at gmail.com. Join us next time when we'll be heading to 1987 with the Bill Cosby classic, Leonard Part 6. <laughs> and in the meantime, all it really remains to be said is that uh, we hope you enjoyed this Christmas special. And when that special morning comes and you are gathered around the fireplace with all of your nearest and dearest, may hope you take a moment to think of our Lord and Saviour, Kirk Cameron, and to remember what's really important, knowing that you aren't being crucified right now. So, Amen. have a great Christmas from watching Worst Films. Buy each yeah. other tons of crap. That's what Kirk Cameron would have wanted. <laughs> and we'll see you next time for see Leonard Part 6. See you next time, everybody. Have a Merry Christmas. <laughs>